Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Who's glad to be here? Give me a wave. Give me a wave if you're glad to be here and just tap the neighbour at the side of you to the left and right and say, it's great to be with you today. It really is absolutely tremendous for us to be together and thanks to Paul for giving such a great lead and and for the guys who have led us in worship. And it's good to break bread together and remember all that Jesus has done for us. Just, I know she's not in the, the service, but I think Lou has uh, had something to do with the decorations. And they're beautiful, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're, those trees just like there, that could be in the middle of four seasons, couldn't it? Just terrific. Just a great job. And for, for Lou and the guys who have helped Lou, thank you so much for setting us up and decorating the building so well. As Paul said, these are worthless. I mean, they're they're worth nothing to us. They cost us, you know, a few pounds to produce. We do them to try and encourage you to uh, use it as an opportunity to give you a tool to welcome people. And, you know, Christmas is really easy to invite people and to, to, to encourage people to come. And we've got a lot of services and I said this last time I was with you. Let's do the three and three. Who in the next three days can we invite three people? So in the next three days, can we invite three people to one of our services? And the likelihood is they may say yes. There's two things they can do. Well, three things probably, I don't know, or yes or no. But the likelihood is over Christmas, statistics tell us that actually they're more likely to come if you'll bring them. So I'd encourage you to do that. Well, who's been having a good time over these last few weeks? I've been hearing lots and lots of good things. Apologies that I've been away for a few weeks. I've been down in London preaching, and then I've been at this place sharing. And, you know, God's doing some good things around the country. He really is. It's not just in Mansfield where God is at work. I know you had a fantastic baptismal service last week. Yeah, whoa, there we go. And um, just great to celebrate lives that are being that are being changed. Well, I'm here to finish this series, if that's okay, because the last few weeks we've been talking about the whole thought of a power of a decision. And and the thought is around those four four words, I have decided to, I have decided. The power of a decision. And there's a number of things that we've decided to. Well, uh, Paul, just if you didn't listen to the message, I did. It was fantastic. And he led us into the thought of, I've decided to live my life for the service of others. He took the whole analogy of what Jesus did when he took the, the basin, the bowl and the towel. And as he served the people, and the, the call was from this church for us to live our lives to serve and bless others. What a great encouragement. And of course, it was then Joshua led us into, I have decided to follow Jesus. And of course, that's the basis for this. That we make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to follow this Jesus. There's some people who don't really understand who Jesus is. But as we get to know him, as, as we're taught, as we helped, as we read our Bibles, we see who Jesus is. And of course, there needs to be that point of decision. And if you're here today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I'd just encourage you to consider it and, and to really um, uh, read the Bible and talk to a Christian friend or somebody here. Because it is without a doubt the best decision that I ever made. I mean, I, I married very, very well. My wife's not here today. I mean, I, I am certainly punching well above my weight. And let me tell you, there's plenty of weight here. But I'm punching well above my weight with my wife. 
But, and, and that was a great decision that, that I had, and there's numbers of good decisions that I made. But without a doubt, the best decision that I've ever made was to follow Jesus. Would anybody agree with me this, yeah. this morning? It really is. So we decided to follow Jesus. And then Julie last week, she was talking about how we can live our lives, you know, in terms of, you know, for, for, the, for the blessing of others. I have decided to, my life to be life-giving. So we're like a breath of fresh air. And that was, I listened to that message. It was a great message of how we can live our lives so we refresh and bless and minister to others. I say all of this because I'm concluding it. And this is really, really important. And when I was preparing in prayer, you know, God does this. He just whispers things in your heart. And I've got some Bible verses and I've got some points that I want to make. But I've really felt the Lord just say to me, just talk to the people this morning. Just talk to them. Because this message that we're going to talk about is, I have decided to never quit. I have decided to never quit. I have a confession to make. There's many, many times when I felt like quitting. I felt like quitting on God. Can I be honest with you? And you might be here today, and if you're in any of these things, you're in good company. Because I'm just telling you from a pastor, this is where I've been at. I've felt like I wanted to quit on God, because I felt disappointed. I felt like I wanted to quit on the church, because it so hurt me. Hello? I felt like I wanted to quit on life, because things were so difficult, they were all coming on top of us. Anybody ever felt like that? So we're in good company. You know, the enemy, Satan, who's not really talked about too much, and quite rightly, because in some churches he gets too much press, Jesus doesn't get enough, and they're all running after demons and Satan and everything else. But in this church, we believe that God is a wonderful, gracious Father and judge, there's much in the Bible. He's full of grace and truth. And we believe in the reality of God. But we also understand that there is an enemy, Satan, the devil, Lucifer, whatever name you want to call him. And that is, he is very, very real. It's not just the Tom and Jerry with little horns, Paul. He's a very real, very real foe. The Bible has some things to say about him. It doesn't say loads about him, but enough for us to get an understanding of this, of this, of this enemy, of, of Satan and his work. Jesus said that I have come that you may have life, and life in all of its fullness. But he first of all said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to ultimately destroy. That is his principal work, Satan's principal work in your life and in my life for both Christian and non-Christian is he wants to wreak havoc over your lives, over your families. That is why he will bring every vice, every temptation to you to try and take you down a track where he will ultimately take you out. We say, well, why is there so much drugs and so much alcoholism and so much debauchery around the world? Because that's his work. Because what he wants to do is all he knows those things will ultimately kill us. They will ultimately take us out. We also understand in the church 
For Christians, he will try and do everything he can to try and kill us. But I need you to understand this. Satan's principal role, if he can't kill you, he wants to stop you. So he's happy if he doesn't kill you as long as he stops you. He stops you. And some of you, oh my goodness, you so need to hear this this word. Because actually the Bible says that Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And oftentimes it's not the vices that get us. It's not the alcoholism. It's not this, that and the other. It's just plain discouragement. It's plain disappointment. It's plain weariness that he wants to take you out the game. Am I speaking to anybody here today? That's what he uses. And he just wants to take us out the game. He knows that he can't kill this man, take this man's faith. So what he will try and do is stop this man. So we come to a point where we just turn up at church and we just go through the motions. But I've made a decision. That I'm never going to quit. Now I need to tell you there's many times over my life where I have so wanted to quit. I remember a time, some of you, this may shock you, but in 2008, 2009, I verbally rendered my resignation to the church. There was so much that was coming on top of me at that point. I felt so overwhelmed to the point of brokenness. It's the only time where I felt like I've been in breakdown mode. So I'm quite a resilient sort of chap, but I was, I was at a point of breakdown. Didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know where I was going. Felt so emotionally broken, physically broken, mentally broken. And I said to the guys, I said, I feel that I need to leave. And they lovingly and wisely said to me, Christian, we think you need to go away on holiday. Would you just go away for two weeks? Because we don't want you to resign. And would you go away and reconsider? But I'll need you to know, it wasn't just me speaking out. I'd literally gone. I'd just, am I speaking to anybody here? I'd just gone. I'd just gone. And at that point, I knew that this was a very real battle that I was in. And this is like you, because you feel like this, because life has many difficulties. It has many twists and turns. It has many highs. It has many lows. And life can be very, very difficult and sometimes seemingly cruel to us. Because some of the things that come on top of us are not of our doing. Some of them are, but some people can be cruel. Some people can be unkind. Some people say all kinds of things. You can feel victimized. You can feel discouraged. You can feel disappointed. And it all comes on top. And the enemy sits back and he loves it because he says, ha ha, Christian's nearly, nearly at the point where I want him to be. I know I can't steal his faith because I know that he loves Jesus, but I can get him to quit. I can get him to quit on God. I can get him to quit on the church and I can get him to quit on his call over his life. Oh, I thank God that I didn't make the decision because as a result of that, I can say there's many things, including this church started in 2010. Oh, could you imagine if I'd have said I've had enough? Would we have had this church here? Would you people be here? Would the Gordons of this world and the Margarets of this world come into faith? Well, possibly, but we don't know. But 
What I'm saying is my decision to keep on going, to keep on, keep on going has brought with many other people us to this point where we are here today. Paul said we may not be the biggest, but out of small things, God begins to grow great things. Out of little acorns, oak trees come about. Am I speaking to anybody today? And we've got to make a decision today that we're never going to quit. We're never going to quit. We're never going to quit on him. We're never going to quit on the church. We're never going to quit on, you know, our family and our friends and our neighbours. We're not going to quit on this message of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. So in Hebrews in chapter 12, you may say, well, that's great, Christian. But what about Jesus? Let me tell you, Jesus, I'm sure because he was tempted in every way. Like he was fully, we've sung it. He was fully God, yet fully man. He laid down his Godhead and became man. So he was tempted, tested, challenged in every way. He would have wanted at times, something would have washed over him. Give it all up. But this is what it says about Jesus in Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 1. It come on the screen. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders Some of you need to do that today. There's some things that are hindering you. Throw them off today. And some of you need to throw off the sin that's been entangling you. You do that by saying sorry to God and putting things right with whoever. And it says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We fix our eyes on him. We'll come back to that at the very end of this message. The pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy, this is talking about Jesus, the joy set before him, he endured the cross, the pain, the suffering, the ridicule, the shame of the cross, scorning its shame. And then he sat down after he went through the cross and resurrection life, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Listen to those words. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's difficult. I'd be lying to you today if I said that the Christian life wasn't difficult. It is. It can be incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging. Particularly trying to live out the Bible. And it's actually impossible without the help of God and the help of the Holy Spirit. I've tried it outside of God. It lasts for about a minute, an hour, a day. But it's even difficult with the help of God because in our humanity, we have struggles, we have temptations, we have tests that make us want to throw everything off. When I was thinking about this message, I have decided to never quit. My mind immediately went to the man by the name of Elijah. Give me a wave if you've ever heard of this man in the Bible. He was a prophet. For those who don't understand that, that that language basically he was a voice he was God's voice to speak into that nation he was God's instrument to actually challenge the people and challenge the rulers of that day that's what this prophet was there doing and we see that in the earlier part of 1 Kings we see how God had helped Elijah to a supernatural just miraculous victory He'd overcome. You've got to read it for yourself. It was amazing. 
But what happened then is very, very surprising and yet it shouldn't be. Because as a result of this huge victory, Elijah then comes to, we see it in 1 Kings 19, and you'll have to just take your notes for yourself. In 1 Kings 19, we see that Elijah runs away. He wants to quit and he wants to die. We're not going to read it here, but you see that Elijah, what happens was that a lady by the name of Jezebel heard that, that, uh, Elijah had killed all her uh, agents in her, uh, of, of, of darkness that she was controlling and she was uh, her so-called mouthpiece and they're all dead. And basically, um, she, she, she comes and she says, um, I'm going to have you, Elijah. I, I'm coming after you. And Elijah was fearful. He was, he was overcome by what she said. And this is the strange thing. He'd just seen God at work. And yet those words caused dread to come upon him. Isn't it amazing how sometimes you can be on the mountaintop and then all of a sudden, you know, there's a word that comes and it rocks you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's interesting how it works. And what happened was he ran away. He found a cave and an angel came and fed him. And you've got to read the story for yourself. But as I was thinking about him, I was thinking about just some of the emotions that ran across him. And in it, I saw some enemies of resilience. There were some things that Elijah walked in that will not enable you to stay strong. And there are some things that I just want to identify because oftentimes you've got to identify the enemy, then you can deal with the enemy. Yes, am I speaking to anybody? If you know the enemy, then you can deal with the enemy. And so I want to identify the enemy so we can deal with the enemy through God's word. So there are four enemies of resilience because resilience will cause you to never quit. You know, we, we put a family motto together. I'll just put this as a side because I'll often say to my kids, quitters don't win and winners don't quit. I know it's a, a trendy you know, soundbite, but I've lived with it. And I remember our Annie coming back, she had to do like a coat of arms for the family. And on it, she'd, she'd done this artwork and then she wrote, quitters don't win and winners don't quit. And she'd wrote Thorpe in it, the four, Thorpe, well, she's now a Kirk, but it still applies. We're destined to keep going. It, quitting is not an option. And we need to live with resilience. So four things. I want to just take you first of all, if I may, to Isaiah 41. And I'm jumping around a little bit and I want to show you some verses of the Bible. They'll come on the screen. But Isaiah 41 and verse 10. And these four things that I'm going to identify, I see very, very clearly in that story in 1 Kings 19. Because the four things, let me tell you very quickly, and we'll come on to them, so don't race on, uh, Morgan, are fear, discouragement, tiredness, and disappointment. They are four enemies of resilience. Fear, discouragement, tiredness, and disappointment. Before we read this Bible verse, anybody ever felt any of those? Come on, give me a wave if you've ever, you ever felt fearful, discouraged, tired, disappointed. Of course we have. But Isaiah 41, Isaiah 41, and verse 10. God says to the people there, so do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed. Another word for dismay is discouraged. They're interchangeable. Do not be discouraged. For I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you. And I will help you when you feel tired. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Elijah felt all these four things. Fear, discouragement, tiredness and disappointment. And in the last 10 minutes that I have with you, I just want to talk into those things. If I may, they don't really need unpacking. We all know these emotions. But we see here, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. I just want you to know that. Just nudge the neighbor next to you and say, God is with you. Do not fear, for God is with you. God is with you. Fear will stop you from keep going. It will cause you and it will, it will take you out of the game. It will disable you. It will stop you from moving into all that you have. We have to identify the enemy of fear. Fear is very, very real. We know that Jesus says, do not fear. Now, that's okay, but it's a natural emotion. But we need to have this understanding in our hearts that God is with us. Patrick, as you go, God is with you. As you face the challenges of Christmas with family, God is with you. As you handle that sickness, God is with you. As you know that there's pressures around your family, God is with you. Am I speaking to anybody here today? God is with you. So we do not need to fear. God is with us. I love the story of that footprints in the sand. I just do. And it's used by Christians and non-Christians. And we know the story that there were two set of footprints. Then there was one set and they said, well, God, you left. He said, no, at that point, I was carrying you. I want you to know we're in your fear. God is carrying you. You are with him. He holds you. Even if you cannot see the light in your darkness, I want you to know, as a believer, God is with you. Why do I know that? Because God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Even in your darkest, most grotesque, most depraved state, as a Christian, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am so, I just need to take a moment of praise that in the darkest moments of my heart, when I've thought all kinds of things, God has been there. He said he would never leave me. Psalm 91 verse 4 and 6. Let's just read those together. Take a note and just, because I'm going to whiz through these things. Psalm 91. Am I speaking to anybody here today? Am I encouraging anybody here today? Psalm 91 verse 4. God says, he will cover you with his feathers. He's, he's using the analogy of that wing. I'm going to come on to that. The eagle is, is gathering the, the, you know, the young to him. He says here, I will cover you with my feathers and under my wings, you'll find refuge. My faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Listen, verse five, you will not fear the terror of night. Listen to me, those who've been saying about, I heard it, heard you, nightmares. I want to tell you, in Jesus' name, we, we, we come against every, anybody who's here having nightmares, things that have you're seeing in, in your sleep, we come against them, the demonic attacks. We will not fear the terror 
of night in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, Amen. Amen. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. We will not fear, for you are with me. And as we dwell and rest in God, as we look to him daily, all fear, all fear evaporates. You know, the more I fix my eyes on God, the less chance there is of fear. Because I see him as my father, the strong tower, the one who surrounds me. Even when I'm feeling a little bit dread, I know, God, you're with me. Secondly, and of course, this is what Elijah had to enter into. Secondly, we look at discouragement. Isaiah 41 verse 10, going back there, it says, Do not be dismayed or discouraged, for I am your God. He's not only saying that I'm going to be with you. He's saying, I am your God. I personally, I'm yours. People, you are mine. You belong to me. Julia, you don't long, no longer belong to the enemy of this world. I don't know why I'm saying this. You belong to God. You belong to God. God has ownership. Richard, God has ownership of your life. So we don't need to be discouraged. Of course, we will at times face discouragement. But as we remind ourselves, God, I am yours. Oh, I am yours. I belong to you. You belong to me. You begin to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. When everything was against David and all his men wanted to stone him, the very people who loved him, he says he began to encourage himself in the Lord his God. I think he began to sing songs. I think he wrote a few more, you know, worship songs that would smash Hillsong into oblivion. And he says, for I, and I think the song was, you are my God and I belong to you. He encouraged himself in the Lord. I love the book of Joshua. And it's interesting that Joshua was on the cusp. He'd just taken over from Moses in Joshua in chapter 1. And we see here, and these, I think it came through not just from God saying it, but the people said to Joshua, and this is what they said, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, fear. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Are you understanding this? Is this, is this, is this good to get? Because, you know, give me a smile if you're enjoying it. Yeah, great. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Listen to me. You've come in here. You're discouraged. You're fearful. I understand that there's many times I've walked into church and I've felt discouraged. Not so much fearful, but I felt discouraged. The only way out of that discouragement, yeah, people can do it, but it comes from our hearts when we get a hold of God's word and we know that God says, listen, I belong to you. He says, you belong to me, Nathan, and I will be with you. Fear and discouragement begins to leave me. When you feel alone, God says, you might be alone in the natural, but God's with you. I'm with you. You're not alone. The God of heaven is with you. Fear, discouragement. I tell you what, they take the toll. They'll cause you to quit. But thirdly, tiredness. Tiredness. Isaiah 41, let's go back there, shall we? Isaiah 41. We see verse 10 again. Then the promises of God is, I will strengthen you and I will help 
you. I will strengthen you and I will help you. Of course, Elijah, he wasn't just fearing Jezebel and he wasn't at that moment just discouraged because he thought he was on his own, but he was tired. Tiredness can cause us to quit. When I told you about my verbal resignation, I was tired. I was tired. I was really, really, I was tired emotionally. I was tired physically. I was, I was burnt out. I was burnt out. And some of you here today can know what that feels like. You might be there. The only way to get back out of that tiredness is, is there's both natural and spiritual. The natural is you've got to find some space where you can rest, sleep, eat, recuperate. But secondly, there is a spiritual dimension to it. Because as you rest upon the Lord, we've already heard it this morning, you will renew your strength. As you come before God, you see, my tiredness was a result of not me not leaning into God. My tiredness was not just a natural thing, it was a spiritual thing. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't praying as I should. I wasn't leaning into Him. I'm speaking to anybody here today. Listen to me. Sometimes tiredness can come to us and it will cause you to quit. There are many people around Mansfield who have faced fear, discouragement and tiredness and that's why they're no longer in the church. They've had enough. And listen to me, Arena, the hundred people that are here. I want us to encourage us to go on from strength to strength to strength to strength. And the way that we'll do that is we'll defeat fear. We keep discouragement at the door. And we make sure that we recuperate ourselves both naturally, spiritually. I love what it says in Isaiah 40. Paul's read it. He's read it from the message version. And it's interesting. I was going to go to the message, but I went to NIV. So you're going to get it double whammy. I was just saying, yes, amen from the front. As Paul prophetically, wasn't just an encouragement. That was a prophetic encouragement from God's word for some of you to grasp hold of. Because this is what God says to you. He gives strength to the weary. You're tired? He'll give strength to you. And he increases the power of the weak. Even youths, some of these young books on the front here. Sorry, I wasn't talking about you guys. They're young-ish, but these, 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 these young books here and stallions and, you know, they're, they're, they're here. You know, even you guys are going to grow tired and weary. Even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Are you tired today? I want to encourage you to hope in God. Guys, some of you have had awful things happen to you over these last few weeks and months that have really rocked you. Can I encourage you to go again to God, to just look to Him, to help in the Lord. It says you will renew your strength. You'll soar on wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not be faint. I refuse at this Christmas time, it is very busy, but I refuse to become busy in my heart. I want this Christmas to be my my best Christmas ever. I want it to be the best Christmas in church. I want us to do it with joy in our hearts. I was so ecstatic when I'm on a WhatsApp message with a few of your leaders here. and They were saying about all the wonderful things that took place at the Christmas light switch on and people were alive and it was just great and that's the kind of spirit that I want to hear coming from. That not that, oh, we've got to do this. Oh, it's Christmas. We've got another service. Oh, kids are coming. Oh, they'll be all over the place. And Yeah, they will. But 
There's a joy. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you. There's a joy in our hearts, church. We gather around the church and we say, we're going to do this with joy. And if we're feeling a bit tired, we might say, guys, will you pray for me? Or I might just need to sit down and have a cup of tea or a bit of mulled wine or maybe even be a little Baileys. I don't know. But, but and a mince pie and just... I'm going to find a place of refreshing. I don't want to just be dead spiritual. I want to just be practical as well. Some, some of you ladies, I'm sorry for sounding sexist. I don't mean that. But I know a lot of you ladies tend to take a lead on presents and cooking and all those kinds of things. Some of, not in all the cases, but some of you, you know, I just speak rest and refreshing and blessing over you in Jesus' name. These things can take us out. I'm nearly through. But lastly, these all culminate. I've spoken out of my life. I was fearful. It was all, I was going to lose everything. I allowed fear to grip my heart and my head. Oh, I was so discouraged. I can't even tell you. I've never ever been like that before where I've not even wanted to get out of bed. That's just not me. I was so discouraged. And I was so tired. And it all led to this one thing, disappointment. I was disappointed. I was disappointed with me. I was disappointed with them. I was disappointed with God. I was disappointed with the church. I was disappointed. I was disappointed. But this is what it says in Isaiah 41, verse 10. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We haven't got time for it, but the right hand of God is a very powerful thing. It talks about the omnipotence, the all-powerful might and strength of God. He says, I will uphold you with my power. That's what he's saying. I will uphold you with, let me use the right hand. I will uphold you with my power, my strength. I will uphold you. When you feel disappointed, I will uphold you. I will will bring encouragement to your heart. I will strengthen your heart. I will whisper sweet, beautiful things into your heart. Because I needed to hear that. This is the Bible. But disappointment can take us out. Isaiah 49 verse 23 as I finish. I remind myself over this word many, many times because there's many people who've made me disappointed. The situations that made me disappointed. There's people's behaviors that's made me disappointed. I'm just being honest as a church pastor. If you don't deal with that disappointment, it will cause you to quit. But this is Isaiah 49 verse 23. It says this. Those, it's going to come up here, I think again, hopefully, because this is a great verse. Some of you need to get hold of this. No, that's the wrong one. 49, sorry. I'll just read it to you. It says this. Those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Those who hope in the Lord. If you put your hope in your wife or your husband, no matter how good they are, you'll be left disappointed. If you put it in your kids, you'll be disappointed. If you put it in your bank balance, you'll be disappointed. If you put it in the holiday that's going to be perfect, you'll be disappointed. It might be perfect in that moment, but then you have to come back. And then your heart, where is it? It's only as we put our hope in the Lord, we are never disappointed. Or look at me for a minute. 
I know, I say this boldly, but also humbly, I know what I'm talking about. I won't be able to diagnose your illness at the doctors. I won't be able to get your house sold because I'm not a lawyer. I won't even want to sit in judgment in the courthouse. I won't know what to do in that engineering works. I won't know how to fit a boiler and a, and, a, and a radiator. Even though my dad was a plumber, I'm looking at Ken. But I know this. Those who hope in the Lord will never be disappointed. Every day coming before him. And this will defeat your fears. This will defeat your discouragement. <laughs> this will defeat your tiredness. And this will defeat your dis- disappointment. Every day. Coming to God. I want to declare over you. You are called, destined to rule and to reign. You are the head, not the tail. You are above, not below. You are children of the most high God. Look to God. Lean into God. And as you do that, there will be a resolve that resounds from your heart where you will say, I have decided to never quit. Bow your heads if you will. God, thank you for your presence here. Maybe here and you don't know the Lord.